0: All right, hi. Today, I'm here with Rick McCarthy, who is a therapist in California. And Rick, you got in touch with me recently and shared some correspondence that you've had with the California Association for Marriage and Family Therapists Camped, I think yes. And I thought that the correspondence was really, your your positions were really well put, and I I thought it would be great to have a chance to sort of go over that and talk about what your concerns were, what you are concerned with, that's going on within that association and within the field more broadly, and um, and just get that get get your thoughts on record. So, would you maybe start off by talking a little bit about yourself and what what brings you to be in this position right now?
1: Yes, I'd, I'd be very happy to, and I'm and I, um, very, very happy to meet you, and it's, it's, it's an honor to be here and to, to have this platform. I really appreciate it. Um, about uh, last December, I uh, received a, uh, uh, the magazine from CAMP, which is the California Association of Marriage and Family Therapists, uh, which I've been a member f- uh, of about 40 years now and uh we get this magazine uh it's it's sort of like a journal style magazine uh once every 2 3 months and um i was thinking about it as as i was thinking about talking with you today that uh, i was aware that in the beginning i really looked forward to that magazine it it had a lot of informative useful information uh new theories coming out new techniques and it, I was I was thinking about it today uh, it it's probably been years that I looked forward to that magazine. It uh, it just was not useful. It was not relevant. Mm-hmm. a lot of faddish uh, type of uh, theories and techniques um, until December's edition, which was on uh, you know gender affirming care, uh, which got my attention. Uh, I I've heard bits and pieces. Over the years, in fact, it's uh, it's interesting. I I listened to a couple of your um, uh, interviews, which which were were fascinating, and I I remember you commenting on that you you felt to to some extent like you had your head in the sand a little bit or weren't aware as much as you thought you could be. And boy, that was me as well. Uh, Since I got out of academia and I was uh, working with the Board of Behavioral Sciences for a while. I've been just doing a soul practice, sort of semi-retiring, you know, moving down on my client load and and just enjoying semi-retirement, I suppose. But I get this magazine and I read the cover article and I I was uh, disappointed, shocked, dismayed, uh, angry uh, that that we had come so far that it wasn't just like we were differing on some opinion. Uh the the author was uh encouraging uh malpractice mm-hmm. uh, and and harmful uh techniques with uh especially children. And that that was the key thing. You know, I, I can see um I've had a lot of clients over the years that have gone to uh various charlatans or therapists for various reasons and that that's up to them if they think that will help them in some way wouldn't have been my recommendation but that's they're an adult but these are children mm-hmm. and so I I felt compelled uh I usually don't do this but I thought you know I, I I'm going to send a letter I'm I've, I got to do something I can't mm-hmm. just you know think well that's terrible and then put my head back in the sand and so i wrote a letter it it uh took about six drafts uh the, the first few there's no way they would have printed it um so i had i had to i always try to know my audience and um, so i i sent the letter out and then uh, kind of forgot about it until i got the next edition in the mail and i opened it up and lo and behold they printed it and uh, i remember coming inside the house and uh, finding my wife and I go. You're not going to believe this. They they actually printed my letter. Isn't that great? Uh, and it was the only letter they they had in there uh, mm-hmm. for that edition. And so I, I I put it down and thought, okay, I did my part. End of story. Until I started to receive emails from fellow colleagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how they found me. Probably through Psychology Today, or which I, I'm on. And all in support, uh, which confused me because, um, you know, over the years, as uh, liberal or liberalism has unfortunately morphed into leftism, I I would have assumed I would have been blasted uh, mm-hmm. with, you know, all kinds of negative emails. I was a bigot, and
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: homophobe, whatever, transphobe. And uh, but they were all positive, and the, except for one, there was one one negative one, but it was just ad hominem attacks. It didn't
2: mm-hmm.
1: mention anything regarding the merits of my letter. But the positive ones were that that was curious, and I, I after I got about five or six of them, the, the most common theme was uh, or phrases mentioned was common sense. Uh, it's great to hear a common sense mm-hmm. uh, response to this and talking about the bravery and courage it must have taken for me to write this. And I, I'm thinking, bravery and courage? Why Why should it take bravery and courage for me to write a letter to the editor of The Therapist? And um, but I, you know, realizing after getting into this further that uh, mm-hmm. things have really gone south and, and people are afraid, obviously. Mm-hmm. And and I get it that someone just starting out in this field, such as as yourself. And by the way, I, I uh, I'm very impressed with your your courage to uh, make lemonade out of lemons. I suppose uh, you, I mean you did a wonderful job with that. A lot of people would have just given up, and so I, I really appreciate the the, the the stance you've taken and the the path you've taken after all the the stuff that's gone on in your education. Thank you. So I, um, so I thought, okay, that's nice. Uh, You know, people are in support, uh, but really didn't know where to go or what to do with that Mm -hmm. uh, until the next edition that came out. And it was a two page apology letter for my letter Um, for all the harm that it did Uh, they must have apologized five different times during the letter Wow! Uh, they never mentioned my name they Mm -hmm. never mentioned anything about what I exactly said or what was wrong or inaccurate but using words like misinformation and and just very very harmful uh language uh and they they just couldn't be more sorry that that somehow got past them oh my
0: gosh uh,
1: and so now now i'm upset <laughs> and uh, um and what and then one of the uh and i'm trying to think about what i'm going to do from here um one of the people that responded um uh, in fact, his name is Kelly Kilcoyne, a, a guy that I would certainly uh, recommend interviewing as well. He's he's phenomenal. He's a therapist up in San Francisco, and he actually called me and left a message. So I I called him back, and uh, ever since then we've had a very uh, strong collaborative friendship and and work relationship. We we uh, Zoom once a week. Oh, and, wonderful. Uh, our doing our best to try to develop a uh, a game plan of what what can we do and how mm-hmm. how can we mm-hmm. uh, move past this I um I wrote uh since my letter which basically in in brief was stating in fact the title of it was could we at least pump the brakes here mm-hmm. uh and, and uh I had interestingly enough I had just read or heard about Gata which is the the um, gender Gender.
0: exploratory therapy association
1: yes uh i just read about them the week before and uh, before i wrote my letter Mm -hmm. so i i included them in my letter Mm and saying could we just take an approach like we always have really that if if a a child comes into us and they're confused and they're mentioning that Mm -hmm. they identify as anything let's walk them through that uh, as we always have, and they usually come out just fine and not um, continuing down the usually destructive path that they were heading or, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to find their way, but, but children oftentimes get, uh, you know, uh, off track. And yeah. so, you know, our job is to help them get back on track, whatever that is, but not to set an agenda. Uh, And I could see by the letter that this this woman wrote that there was a definite agenda to move the child as quickly as possible into the medical arena and uh, get get the ball rolling so that they could uh, uh, meet their goals regarding finding their identity, uh, which is, um, I, I just... I was just bowled away by it. And so I, I wrote the letter. Um, it was as toned down as I could make it, you know, because I mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, there was a sl- I, I believe there was a slim chance they would ever print it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I I was heartened that they did. And so yeah. whoever whoever looked at it or a group of people, I mean, when when they wrote back uh, or in the apology letter, it was as if no one looked at it somehow Mm -hmm. they just randomly threw it in there and it was a big mistake yeah yeah and so from after that uh talking uh with kelly uh i decided to uh write the president and the uh, executive director of camp i really wanted to talk to the president because i figured you know i i want to try to start with the top here Mm -hmm. you know the person most responsible but uh She wasn't going to talk with me. She punted twice to the executive director. So I set up a phone conversation with the executive director. And, uh, come to find out one of the people that I had talked to actually spoke to her the week before and was not as diplomatic, which was, Mm -hmm. which was good because so I, uh, she kind of warmed her up for me and, um. so I, I spoke with her, uh, was very, uh, two major points was one, uh, we cannot have censorship. And by the way, they, uh, one of the things they immediately did was remove my letter from the online oh, magazine. Okay. Uh, and So it's, it's no longer on there. They just duplicated the apology list, the apology okay. list that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said that 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 cannot be. Uh, no matter how much you disagree with something, uh, mm-hmm. you can't have, especially a scientific community and censorship. Uh, it's it's we're going to we won't succeed that way. Uh, and then the other was um, this is what what you know Camp and the the magazine was purporting is or supporting is malpractice uh excuse me people are already being sued for it
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially in the medical community and i said uh uh you know she kept referring back well the apa and the world health organization support this and i i said well that's 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 uh irrelevant so <laughs> uh, they uh, of course they do um but i said this is dangerous Mm -hmm. uh this is not only malpractice it goes against everything that i and most anybody that was trained in traditional uh uh, fashions uh would have even considered Mm -hmm. uh, prior to a few years ago and so i said uh I strongly recommended that maybe in the next conference or beforehand, we have a forum mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: of experts, you know, both sides. And let's uh, let's talk it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, to say that, in a, as they said in the apology letter, uh, they referred to a few times this is settled science. Uh, this is, wow. you know, we we don't have to have any debate on this anymore. It's settled. OK. Uh, so yeah. that um, I knew where they were coming from. And so, anyway, the conversation actually went fairly well. Mm-hmm. i was I was like, I'm surprised again, and I was hopeful. and then set up a uh, sent a follow- up letter a couple of weeks later, uh, recapping what we had talked about and what my expectations were, uh, especially that I requested that they apologize to me and the membership for censoring, because that that was a huge mistake for them to do that. Um, so she wrote a letter back about a week later, very short, uh, basically telling me to pound sand, that it's, uh, we're not going to uh, apologize. Uh, we're not going to remove the apology letter that we wrote. And if we do have any kind of forum, It'll be based on our DEI principles, uh, hmm. so obviously that wouldn't work, um, and so uh, that's where that's where it stands now uh, mm-hmm. in terms, of at least, my correspondence with Camp. Um, so uh, Kelly and I are back to the drawing board, looking at uh, legal uh, recourse. Um, mm-hmm. It's difficult with First Amendment because, as one lawyer told me, you really have to have a government actor, you know, for uh, first, a First Amendment issue mm-hmm. um, to be litigated. And so, it, and, you know, because it is a, uh, a membership organization, uh, that, that makes it tough. Uh, mm-hmm. So a lot of it, too, is I think you may have even talked about as well. Uh, we probably need to look at starting from the ground up elsewhere. Um uh, mm-hmm. parallel to, to be able to turn this organization around. Um the the cancer has metastasized to such a level that it uh I don't know how that would happen, especially given the communication they've put out so far is is not very hopeful.
0: I wonder if if the the fact that it's a professional organization or a a, um, a membership organization comprised of professionals who hold government licenses might make any kind of difference I don't I don't know that's just a first thought off my mind but one one uh, of the things that you mentioned and there's a couple of points I'd love to go back to but one thing when you received a lot of responses right after your letter was published telling you that you were brave and thanking you and and talking about the courage that it took to do this i that's a really similar experience that also kind of stunned me with with the responses that i got after i started making these videos i i received a lot of those very very little direct criticism yes there, there was a lot of criticism going on in fact i got on twitter right after i started doing these videos just to kind of watch how i was being talked about on twitter among the the Antioch crowd. they were posting oh, lots yeah. of things uh, calling you know, calling me all sorts of things, but I didn't receive any direct correspondence from any of them. In fact, I never yes. even received any direct correspondence from Antioch. Antioch, the university that I've spent all this time criticizing for the program, and uh, um put out a, a letter about me that saying that I was a white supremacist and the trans. Oh, ho- yes but they didn't send it to me. I still had a student email account. They sent it to every other student. And I was, I was, uh, somehow omitted from that, that email blast about my videos. So zero direct engagement on this, but lots of, lots of direct thanks and, and encouragement and and I, I wonder about that, like one of the things that I thought, I've thought a lot of things about that, the response to say that this is courageous and brave, when it really just feels like you're, you're calling it what it is, you're just directly addressing an issue that you see, mm-hmm. when has that ever been brave? And I think maybe why that's brave right now is that it's so terrifying to be faced with such, such vicious, irrational behavior. Yes. It's so irrational. So you have no idea what... The the opponent is going to do because they're not going to engage in good faith. So you know you're going up against yeah. a bad faith actor, and I think that that just it it kind of paralyzes people. People aren't sure how to respond in that situation.
1: Well, yes, and I uh, I always like to periodically back up and sort of take a thirty thousand foot view of what's going on, and it mm-hmm. it, uh, it really illustrates uh, the the symptom of unfortunately common is communism and marxism permeating throughout our society and uh they have to have they have to be able to find a way to generate fear um uh, to to get that through the the system and so if they get enough people to do nothing uh you know you've heard that saying the only the only way that evil can uh, succeed is for good people to do nothing and, and so they they get them to do nothing there's they're still out there they they still uh appreciate uh when somebody stands up and and, and and if you recall from your studies uh that oftentimes is all it takes is a few people to start standing up and then everyone else can feel safe enough uh to to, to follow suit I I I I believe myself, and that that's why I I, I I'm in, I'm impressed with with your courage. Because if I was just starting out, I probably would not have written that letter.
2: Uh, mm-hmm.
1: Because I I remember those days, uh, very nervous, trying to get clients, uh, trying to succeed, uh, worrying about failing. And the last thing I would want to do is is uh, do anything to get negative feedback mm-hmm. uh, from, you know, especially the organization that I was supposedly trusted. So it's but being that I'm on the tail end, you know, if if they took my license today, uh, I wouldn't like that, but I'd, I would do exactly what you're doing. You
2: know, mm-hmm. I would say,
1: OK, let me redo my website and just say I'm a coach.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and, and I, you know, have enough referrals from the 40 years, so I'd, I'd be okay. But if I was starting out, I, I get it. A lot of people naturally um, would be reticent to stand up.
0: And I think that, I think that's true. I think a lot of people are really worried about what they're trying to build and losing that. And I think that also that head in the sand thing you, you talked about, I, I feel like knowing where I was with that, like be having some general awareness that there are shifts in the culture happening, some, but not having a strong sense of it. It's kind of like, I know there's something going on, but I haven't taken the time to really research it. So I'm just going to trust that it's not as bad as some people are saying, and it's yes. probably not as good as other people are saying, but clearly these people feel strongly about it. They must know more than I do about this thing. And I, I, think, that, <clears throat> I think that that probably... I might've skated through my entire graduate program with that feeling like, I'm kind of uneasy about some of these things, but I'm sure they've thought it through except that it became too blatant. It was just, and it sounds like that's kind of what happened. You, you described this, this journal or this, this publication by your professional organization that you've been receiving for 40 years. And you've sort of noticed a general drift in the quality of it over time. It's not as, it's not as useful or meaningful to you, but then you're, in December, when you get that issue and you see it's about gender affirming care, did you have, did you have an immediate reaction to just the title or was it only once you got into it and started reading that this was actually what they, like the, the details of how they, they were describing this. And, and could you go into detail a little bit about, you said that they were advocating for malpractice, but what were some of the things in that content that you found so disturbing?
1: The, um. The the cover confused me. I I I wasn't sure exactly what they meant by that. Uh, but now now we don't. Now we know what they mean by that. It's uh, it and it's it's interesting the way the left uses language. It's it, you can be pretty much guaranteed whatever words they use to describe what they're talking about, they mean the exact opposite, uh, or they're doing the exact opposite of it. Um, but the um, in fact uh, if I could quote one of I was thinking of um, uh, the person who wrote the, uh, the cover article name is Cooper Ms. Cooper she uh, spoke of the hesitancy of her colleagues to work with transgendered youth because of the legal and ethical ramifications and, and so its so I quoted that and I said, well yes, of course so why you know you you're you're kind of concerned about that, but you're not addressing it, you know, that yes, there are tons of legal and ethical ramifications of what we're doing, or what you're proposing to do, Mm -hmm. in terms of uh, allowing the child to self-diagnose, and then moving them along as quickly as possible, rather than addressing where this come from. Uh, oh, you were traumatized at three. You know, could this be some of it? Let's let's address and maybe heal and deal with that and see where mm-hmm. we go. And, but none of that. It's just as soon as they uh, make any kind of statement to that effect, then they put them on the fast track. And now uh, I've I've even seen stories. You may have they're even being predatory about it. They're getting on Twitter and Instagram. And finding those students in their school that may be vulnerable uh, or thinking about those types of things, you know, identity issues or being gay or trans, and then they target them
2: mm-hmm. and
1: get them to, to join their group, and then of course move them through the program. And so it's uh, the statistics are crazy. When I, in fact, when I was talking to the executive director, his name was Joy Alifa. I said that you know I, I'm glad now that I saved some of my old textbooks from you know when I was in college and then and teaching, and uh, when I looked at my sex therapy textbook uh, from when I was in school. Um, there was a, a brief, maybe half a page on transgender transgenderism mm-hmm. because it was almost non existent. Uh it was, I think the stats were it was one out of a hundred thousand, maybe for men, and then one out of four hundred thousand for women. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so you you compare that with I was reading an article where in some school here in Southern California, uh, for teenage girls, it was 20% of the, the student population identified as trans. Yeah. So, you know, that the fact that they don't even take that piece of information and step a, at least a couple steps back and go, wow, that's that's significant. I wonder why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, could there have been that much suppression back, you know, in the in the sixties and seventies? No. 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 <clears throat> Excuse me.
0: Yeah, and the fear of practitioners around legal and ethical issues with working with trans-identifying young people is on both sides, I would imagine, because I I hadn't really thought of it from the perspective of the people who are actually committing this affirmative care malpractice, but I know that a lot of good people who would like to work with young people in an exploratory fashion are terrified of doing it because of the conversion therapy laws.
1: Yes. Um, yes, I would have to imagine that. Um, and I, and, uh, they are, you know, of course, California is um, quite a state. I, I don't know if you've spent much time here. Not uh, much, but I've
0: heard just, just there's all the news right now is about this bill that's about to be signed into law in California that will yes. remove children from parents' custody if they are not affirming and. And helping them with medicalization for their transgender identity, right? And in custody right. cases, I think.
1: Yeah, well, in all, cases, in all uh, cases, there's there's four different bills, in fact, that are coming up. But one of the scariest ones is that they. Um, I remember, you know, from from years ago when I first started, you know, trying to you know, learn all the, the the legal issues regarding confidentiality and privilege and you know what mm-hmm. what age does a child have to be where you don't have to tell parents and but now they try to pass a bill where starting at 12 the child for almost any reason of course say they're trans, that's probably the big one, but if they're not happy with what their parents are doing they can be removed immediately and then put into a home where they can be safe you know from their parents but it it's just on the child's word uh and you know the degree to which they're uncomfortable or unhappy with what the parents are doing so uh you can imagine how many children would use that one um you know because i hear a lot of times you know because children are smart sometimes and they. Especially during custody issues, they'll threaten their parents uh with if you know, if you don't let me go to this party mm-hmm. and tell the child protective services that you hit me here, mm-hmm. you abused me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's 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 gonna be horrific if that passes.
0: Oh, it's terrifying. It's really terrifying. And it's it's this crazy issue where there's the social infrastructure that's set up in order to put the parent in the position of lowest authority in their child's life yes so you've got all of the the teachers and the counselors and the doctors are going to fall on just falling in line with what their organizations are telling them to do they're taking this affirmative line and so if a parent is concerned about this issue they have no social backup
1: Absolutely not. Um, I'm petrified. If I was a parent of young children now, uh, I would. I would definitely move first of all. I, I wouldn't wait for all that to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um... <clears throat> hmm.
0: we're having a little connection issue. So I hope it's coming through okay on your side.
1: Yes, I I saw a little sign, but I I can I can see and hear you fine. Uh, um so anyway, it's uh at least as far as that goes, you know, back to the thousand foot view, uh mm-hmm. one of the precepts of, of of Marxism is of course to destroy the family, uh destroy the family unit. Uh, mm-hmm. and they have been very effective at that. Uh they got rid of fathers, um, you know, the with all the toxic masculinity and patriarchy i i can't tell you how many times i hear that in session you know from my couples that i work with um so they've been emasculated and so they they take the father out which traditionally is supposed to protect the family and um and and so that the the family i i i hope that we find a way to get them back on because that the, fam- the nuclear family are key to any civilization, you know, throughout history. Uh, we can't lose that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I agree. I think that that's, yeah, it's really scary what's happening to undermine family cohesiveness and parental mm-hmm. authority. And... Is there any place that you have these letters online where people could go and read them sequentially? The, I, I think it would be really fascinating to be able to actually read what is this article and then read your response and then read a, their apology for oh, yes. publishing um, your response. Do you, do you have those all in one spot?
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I'm... I have to apologize. You know, uh, not just my age, but it goes with n- not being very tech savvy. What, what would you recommend? <laughs> where do I put that?
0: I would say Substack is a good place. Okay. I, yeah, and you, you, um, I've got, um, I started a Substack where I've started adding documents from my, um, this this whole Antioch journey. Um, so I'm happy to host it for you, or if you have your own, we can link to it under this, um. Under this video, if you want. Okay. So, but yes. if you want, if you have them all the documents and they're like PDF documents, I, I could put them onto my Substack and and link back to you. Well. Whatever I'll go you
1: prefer. Ahead and put them on, and then. Okay. Give you the link as well. Oh, okay,
0: sure. If you,
1: yeah. If you put them on. That would be great. But yeah, that's that's a good idea. I hadn't thought of that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, um, and as you and uh, and Kelly have been working on coming up with ideas as to how to respond to this, what are your thoughts? I mean, I know I've, I think that we need some kind of, I I agree with you that I think these institutions are so dug in right now that I don't see how we're going to turn this around within the profession itself or within these institutions or these professional bodies. But do you see there being feasibility for some sort of alternative organization?
1: Oh, yes. And in fact, uh, since I've been researching this since it all started i you know not only joined gata uh which is a very uh great organization and i um uh one of the other individuals that i was uh happy to meet uh that sent me a letter initially uh, uh gg larue from our duty
0: mm-hmm. i've
1: You're spoken familiar? with
0: Gigi also yes there's oh, a, she's, there's gr- she's great. A, a conversation yeah. with her on my channel so Oh great! Yeah, yes,
1: uh, great. she's she's wonderful, and so that that's a, and they've been around for about five years, and and so that that was, looking at them and thinking, okay, I I had no idea, mm-hmm. you know, that there was actually this organization that was needed five years ago, let alone today. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: so it, yeah, I'd say it was two pronged. We we've got to, we've got to stop the bleeding,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and then. Uh, rebuild um, but uh, I'm not sure other than organizations like I just mentioned mm-hmm. um, you know certainly within professional licensed organizations like Camp, mm-hmm. um, new therapists or all therapists need that I mean that they they did serve a purpose in the beginning um, and it, it did serve the entire membership I used to uh, enjoy going to the conferences uh And meeting people and um, it was even though I'm uh, conservative on the conservative side. uh, Back then, it it really didn't make much difference that the other person was a liberal. I mean, it was because we all we shared the same basic values and and understanding of human nature and Mm -hmm. uh, differences between men and women. and so i i remember having wonderful conversations and learning from different people there and um uh, when i first first started working for the board of behavioral sciences i i remember i was one of the youngest and i i had utmost respect for everyone else that was there i just i you could tell speaking with them that boy if i needed therapy i i would really love to see this person because they they I, I can tell they would be able to help me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and toward the end, in fact, one of the one of the reasons why I eventually left. Um, and I, I feel kind of guilty about that. I, I felt like the, the boy with his finger in the dike. Um, I was the oldest. Um, they used to select when I first started, they would select uh, people to to be on the board to or to to not only be oral examiners back then that's where I started Mm uh but then to uh write the exams the written exam the orals and then the, the the clinical vignette exam later but they um uh, would select them. And they usually had, I, I got a sense, probably at least 20 years experience, mm. usually were in academia, did training, you know, for thera- other therapists and interns. And so they, they had some wisdom and experience to, to back up, you know, keeping uh, the integrity of this profession going. Now, um, I would say with the last year I worked there was probably 2018, 19, something like that. Um, half of them had less than five years experience. Some of them just had one or two. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was strongly left-leaning. And in fact, I, uh, the, they had different phases of the exam. Starting from writing the exam to the the last phase, which I I felt I could be most useful was the passing score. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we all we would uh, really quickly take the exam, and then um, we would go around the room, and this was led by um, oh a statistician. I wish she wasn't a therapist, but somebody who was a uh, a, a test designer, and mm-hmm. and and they, I found them to be the most um, mature <laughs> out of the entire group. But anyway, they, we would go around and we would take the test, rate each question as to how difficult we thought it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. And uh, in order for the test, the the uh, the sample or the question to enter to be on the test we had to have a complete agreement within I think two points of Mm -hmm. our rating. And if if any one of us was more than two points away, uh, we had to explain ourselves Mm -hmm. and uh, basically justify whether or not we thought that was too easy or too hard. And then we would go around again and then hopefully everybody would, uh, after listening to the justification would adjust their answers. Mm -hmm. Well, it got to the point where uh, even though I, I, I consider myself a friendly person, when I would show up for these uh, these uh, uh, meetings, uh, many people would—I I could just hear them go, "Oh my God, Rick's here!" <laughs> because we would you go were harder on those questions, and uh, they would all be in agreement that this was a this was a great question, uh-huh. and and the the uh, tester would go, Rick. Uh, How come you gave it a three? (laughs) And I would explain it and it would, you know, two things. One, they usually weren't able to argue the point. So we had to go around again and they had to raise their, their points um, or lower it. And then the other thing was that we would, uh, we would usually leave at the point when we were done with what we were doing by me. By it always stopping at me and me having to explain myself, that means that we were going to be there later in the afternoon. And so, um, yeah, the the eye rolls and the heavy sighs were were becoming unbearable. And then I actually did some stats myself, where I I looked at, okay, if if I do my best work at trying to maintain the 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 integrity of this exam, what kind of differences am I making? And I realized at best it was probably raising the passing score by maybe a half or three quarters of a point, point. Mm-hmm. And, and so I thought, well, I, I think I'm good.
0: It wasn't uh, worth the the headache no, that it was turning into. But
1: I feel bad now after this, um, and 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 the, what you had stated, because I saw that in in teaching as well. It's been about. Mm-hmm. Fifteen years since I've taught, mm-hmm. but I saw the writing on the wall then. In fact, I—I'm sure even if they did hire me today, they'd fire me after a couple of days because uh, of something I said.
2: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, and so I—I—I I, I feel bad for otherwise talented, uh, enthusiastic students that want to be a part of this 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 great profession going into the educational system now has to be uh, depressing. Uh,
0: well, and it, it's it's a kind of, it's a scary uh, paradigm that's being established. This new, what mental health is coming to represent, I think, I'm really concerned about. Because yes. not only do you have this selective bias with regard to teachers, teachers are, I think the quality of education is going down from what I from what I witnessed, now I hadn't been involved in a um, in a clinical mental health counseling program prior to 2019, but I've been in higher education for a long time, I've, mm-hmm. and um, and I noticed a, a definite decline in quality of the teaching when yes. I was in this graduate program. And I've talked with lots of educators and academics since starting this interview project who have. Mm-hmm who have validated that and said that that's been their experience as well and, and also that in selecting students they're really interviewing and looking for specific types of people they've the shift from yes. counselor as counselor to counselor as activist is, is very overt and they. it's explicit i mean this is what we were told in the program that i was in as your most important role as counselor is to be an activist for social justice so that's that i mean and that's 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 a complete like 180 from from what counseling should actually be um but or was (laughs) prior but as as we shift you've got teachers who think this way students who are selected because they're already going to think this way and then students who are educated To think this way and a lot more funding for mental health, a lot more. We've just gone through this COVID thing where everybody comes out of this kind of shell shocked, especially the young people. And now we're putting more mental health services into the schools, but the mental health services are staffed with people who think along these lines. And so I just see this as this massive problem that I don't know how we're going to come back out of.
1: Yes huge challenge and it, and it you know I just had a thought uh, you know so many things are are making more sense to me that didn't in the past uh, uh, about 20 years, more than 20 years ago, probably uh, I think it was about 1999 I was teaching uh, sex therapy, uh, I think at Pepperdine. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And I was using the the standard common text that they used for that class. And uh, they were up, they updated the edition uh, for, I think it was around 1999. And I was, as I was looking through it, I was shocked and surprised and confused that, first of all, they took out the chapter on child sexual abuse and and molestation, Mm -hmm. which, as a general practitioner, sadly, that's about twenty percent of my client load uh, mm. that have been had some type of sexual trauma that we had to treat, you know, even as adults now, um, and they replaced it with one on transgenderism. And, even
0: uh, even in nineteen ninety nine, wow,
1: uh, yes, wow. And so okay. you can imagine the confusion. And I'm thinking, okay, I've I've been practice practicing then for about twenty five years. I've had a couple transvestites never anybody that expressed any kind of uh, thought or idea about changing their sex. I Mm -hmm. I, I heard about that and studied about it. You know, it was rare. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I, you know, again, uh, in a rare moment, I I wrote the publisher and the author uh, expressing my dismay. And I said, you know, this is uh, the, the chapter on child, Uh, sexual abuse was essential in other words Mm -hmm. uh, for any therapist going in working with children and or adults uh, because it's so common and Mm -hmm. i said why would you put something on gender dysphoria a whole chapter on that and replace it with that yeah and the the author actually responded and said something gosh i i know i still have it somewhere but said something to the effect of well you you have a good point there uh, it was probably an oversight. we'll We'll have to take a look at that at the next edition. Wow, that was it.
0: i They make these things so deliberately and intentionally. I can't imagine an oversight like that.
1: Oh no, no, uh, that that was that was crazy. So I just kind of scratched my head and thought, okay, well, I'm still going to teach about uh, sexual abuse., mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know what where they're going with this now I know
2: mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm.
1: that not only are they. Uh, pushing for you know not just transgenderism but but you know everything under the sun Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, they're you know sadly uh pushing for you know one of those categories that they i'm sure want to eventually add to the lgbtq plus is uh paraphilia um you know all all the paraphilias but especially pedophilia Mm
2: -hmm. uh
1: and so that's that's another uh shocker that over the years I'm thinking, okay, what are we going to do about this we mm-hmm. we can't let this happen
0: mm-hmm. yeah, my human sexuality class in graduate school was uh it was I I still don't know what to think of that it was just everything is on the table it was a normalization of all kink that was all yes, that was all to be good. we talked about kink shaming and not to shame people for it not to and and there there seems like there's a just a decision has been made that there's no such thing as that that the idea of normal is an offensive idea and that everything should be equally embraced and like there's a celebration oh, yeah. of non-monogamy and monogamy the expectation of monogamy is now uh, to is is shaming people who are non-monogamous yes. and so there's this like that that was the focus the focus was breaking barriers to acceptance of every form of of sexual behavior mm-hmm. so yes that was, I, yeah, was that is that different was it was it different from that back when you were uh, teaching this or was that well, when already I, the when way I, things were going
1: what i taught i saw it going in that direction but what i taught was again the basics uh Uh, this is this is what women are like this Mm -hmm. is how they function this is what men are like this is how they function uh here's the overlap and uh here's here's what i have learned that Mm -hmm. has contributed to couples finding that they have the healthiest strongest happiest sex life that Mm -hmm. that couple can have Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and i oh and i remember too i i said uh I always ask them, I go, what, what, you know, between a couple, you know, in their 20s or 40s or 70s, let's say that have been married for 50 years, who do you think has the possibility of the best sex life? And and they'd always pick the 20s. Uh, and I said, no, mm-hmm. I, I said, in my, my experience, the couple that I had ever worked with one couple that i had worked with, they were in their late 60s, early 70s they had the best sex life ever mm-hmm. of any, any couple I've ever had. Obviously they weren't doing gymnastics, but they, if if love is based on knowledge and understanding and experience of one another, who has the better chance of more of that, mm-hmm. you know, a 20 year old or a, a 70 year old as someone who's been married for 50 years. And so it's, um, yeah the, the 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 depth and the richness of you know when they that wasn't why they came in but we referenced it once in a while and i was just i was amazed and impressed and <clears throat> kind of confronted my own biases as well that mm-hmm. that's that makes sense you know if you have a couple that really are doing marriage well as 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 well as they could um that's what it that's what it looks like and, mm-hmm. uh, but now, uh, and I, when I would talk about the, the paraphilias, you know, used to be called perversions, but you can't say that anymore. I would say that the general notion was, is those things as exciting and fun as they may be, they move away from, that's mm-hmm. what they use perversion. It perverts mm-hmm. what you would expect to be the ideal but mm-hmm. you can't say that anymore either, uh, and so uh, yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't be able to teach sex therapy now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I would not qualify. But uh, but yes, it it. I've heard since then, and and some of the uh, the last time I trained an intern was probably about ten years ago. So I, mm-hmm. I was starting to hear some of the things that you were saying mm-hmm. uh, that this is this is what's being taught. Uh, so I I, I feel uh, very concerned and sad and and uh, afraid about all of that uh, you know that we're we're really moving in the wrong direction and so um, um, yeah I I I'm out of retirement now and I I, I want to just do everything I can to to move the needle back or the pendulum back the other way but as as we were alluding to it's it's not a, not only going to take uh, repair, uh, we've, we've got to rebuild, we've got to f- find a new way to rebuild again.
0: Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all this, with this being the lay of the land right now, what what do you say to people who are looking for support around these issues? I, I get, I guess, I don't know how many, I get a ton of email from parents whose kids are struggling or who are struggling with their child who is gender dysphoric or trans identified and they don't Mm -hmm. have any support i'm i've heard the story over and over again that my child came out as trans after we started therapy the therapist trans my child my child this is the focus that my child has been given for their their angst and now after this therapist we're dealing with this issue and they're looking they're pretty desperate for somebody else to come along and help deprogram the thing that was programmed into the child. And that's just, that's such tricky business. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's a difficult place for these, these families to be because, you know, as we were saying the the entire system is sort of stacked up against them. It's not like with some other form of self harm, if the child were anorexic, or if they were cutting themselves, you'd be able to get the other adults that are around the child to form a supportive infrastructure that would support the parent's goals and helping right. this child. But <clears throat> in this situation, the parent is really pushing against something that that there's there's no backdrop to right. support that. So what would what would you say to a family who is dealing with that right now?
1: Well, now I would refer them to organizations like Our Duty or Geta. Mm-hmm. Um and if, if they weren't, if I was not helping them, I sadly, uh, when, whenever, you know, probably the last 10, 20 years, when somebody asked me, do you have a referral? Uh, I've got a friend that wants to see someone or, um, my, a relative or whatever. <clears throat> I, I don't, uh, I don't. I I sadly cannot think of anyone now that he's he's either retired or dead that I would want to refer them to. So I my general statement is I I would say, you know like if you look on Psychology Today they usually have a bio. Make sure that that matches up with some of the values that you have,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, the way they communicate themselves, and I would say you know at least if you can get at least twenty years experience. Um, uh, that'll help keep you a little bit safe. Um, but if if they're just newly licensed, um uh, I would not recommend that
0: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a good chance that uh, you will not be helped.
0: There's the sort of training that they have received is steeped in this kind of thinking, oh, sure. Mm-hmm. yeah I,
1: um maybe even, even when I was doing the oral exams years ago, uh, one of the things that compelled me to keep doing it was that I, when I first learned of the passing rate, you know, cause they had to take mm-hmm. the written exam and then pass that and then take the oral exam. So we were the sort of gatekeepers of, you know, making sure that these therapists were at least competent, but the word that the, the they used and they kept training us on was minimal competency. Mm. Uh, it, it, and it it wasn't right away, but very soon it started, they started to use the word minimal competency. And so we we were constantly skating that fine line. Uh, and and regardless of the definition, uh, the thing that shocked me is I, I sort of assumed that maybe 70, 75% passed the oral exam first time, but it was 30%, 30, maybe 35 on the outside. Um, which is, as you can imagine, one of the reasons why they finally got rid of that. Um, but they're listening to the people because this is a personal field. I mean, it, we have personal contact with people. So there, there are things that you can't measure on a, on a test.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, listening to people that would have been rated as uh, incompetent or especially dangerous It was, it was very evident. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't even close. Uh, I mean, there was usually two of us on a panel and we would have to kind of compare notes and come up with a final score of whether they passed or not. But uh, uh, seeing maybe one out of 80 or so uh, that the two of us would look at each other after the candidate left and go, they were really good, boy. I, I would wow. see that if if they were. When and it was that rare. Crisis. Yes, uh, wow. you know they would be considered a highly skilled therapist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, still new, but you could tell they got it. it mm-hmm. you know, was they they knew how to assess. They they were they were good at diagnosis. Their treatment plan was sound. Mm-hmm. All the basics, you know, traditional basics were there, and and they had that that little extra you know intuition or whatever that you know would get our attention we thought wow that's that's really good Mm -hmm. that's that's above and beyond but but we were looking for the minimally competent uh to get by and i and i was just reading the other day as i'm looking into all this they got rid of the oral exam in oh what was i think it was 2003 and one of the reasons that they stated was uh there was a shortage, shortage of therapists, and we need more therapists. Oh, okay. And I'm thinking, okay, that that's a non sequitur. I mean, yeah. you, you, okay, we're short of therapists. Let's let's work on that. But mm-hmm. To,
2: mm-hmm. to get
1: to get rid of the oral exam would mean that we were going to instantly allow uh, candidates that were not qualified, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, and that that was depressing
0: yeah that is depressing, and it's I've heard the the word gatekeeping that you referred to. I've heard that used as a negative more and oh more absolutely yes. like we we don't want to be gatekeeping, which means that i'm there's really a very low barrier to entry for this field
1: absolutely i the first time I heard uh one of my colleagues on the the board of behavioral examiners before I left uh probably licensed a few years and she was commenting on my constantly bringing up, you know, uh, rating these questions as too low. And she used the word, she goes, you know, some of these people, these candidates out here, they deserve to be licensed. And I remember looking at her and I, I said, deserve? I, I, I don't get that. You yeah. know, what do you mean deserve? It's uh, they're, they're not qualified, you know, yeah. and it's, so I didn't want to get into an argument, but I just it shocked me that she would say that, that, you know, just by the fact that they've studied and they maybe have taken the test a couple of times, they mm-hmm. they deserve to pass. Um, so
0: it's about what that individual's need is not their fit for the profession and for the clients that they'll no. see. Yeah,
1: no, they uh, it's about, again, equity, mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, which is so destructive
0: and are you currently seeing clients still
1: yes um probably I average around maybe fifteen or so
2: mm-hmm.
1: something like that mm-hmm. uh and i I kind of like it that way semi retired and
2: mm-hmm.
1: spend more time in the garden or at the beach or
0: uh,
1: I'm down here in San Clemente uh California
0: but it's beautiful.
1: Yes, it is, and it's. Uh, we were thinking of moving out of state, but it, uh, it's it's probably one of the last um, purple bu- bubbles in California mm-hmm. <laughs> that is is relatively sane. So we're we're hoping we can uh, um, stay here, or at least this 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 city retains its integrity. Um, but well, hopefully, uh, we, there'll
0: we're... be some more movement of that. I can't imagine that there's not. The coming some sort of reckoning in California as more and more people are, are feeling the Overton window right. shifting and pushing them out of.
1: Well, you you would think so. But, a, you know, a, a word I sometimes use is the is, um, phrase is ideology uber alles. that, you know, when you see companies like Bud Light or Disney losing mm-hmm. billions of dollars, one would rationally think okay they'll, they'll they're going to back up on that one they'll, they'll mm-hmm. definitely fix that one
0: mm-hmm. No, they you double know. down
1: yes and, mm-hmm. and and you and most people scratch their head and they go i don't get it
0: mm-hmm.
1: why would somebody do that uh you know to commit you know business suicide like that it's uh mm-hmm. because the the ideology is is the most important thing
0: mm-hmm. well it's it's a strange time. Thank you for taking the time to talk about this with me. And where, um, where can people find you? Are you, do you have a website you want to give out or are you on any social yes. media? Okay.
1: Um. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> back to that it reminds me of uh, my age again. I, I, I've been struggling over the years to write a book and, but I think I've completely given up on it. I, I, I had a, I, even contacted a consultant a few years ago. And one of the first questions she asked me, she goes, so what's your uh, uh, social media platform like? And my response was, what? (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't have, I I have, I have a website. um, And I I think I, I, I sent my website to you in my last email.
0: I'll include that underneath, but for people who might just be listening, uh, if we say it out loud, that's
1: sure it's okay. Uh, rickmccarthymft.com okay uh, and that's right now that's about, unless they give me a phone call that's the only way they can contact me well
0: uh, I, I i hear you on social media i've just recently been tinkering around with twitter for the past several months it's interesting and I, it's another way to connect with people but
1: mm-hmm. i
0: generally tend to think that some of how we use the internet is part of the problem. And, and I, well, that's a long story, but I yeah. think it's a huge problem for kids. And I think it's a problem for a lot of people. And I, I, I know myself, I kind of struggle with phone addiction. It's really easy to fall into your phone and just start scrolling. And, and I don't need right. more ways to do that. So I don't want, so I uh, keeping internet presence light is, I think it, it leaves more room for the rest of your life.
1: Oh, I agree. Well, well, Leslie, it's it's been a great pleasure. I I I really appreciate this time and this platform uh, to tell my story. I wish I didn't have to tell it. I, I wish it wasn't a story, but it's uh, it's just one little grain of sand in this this huge beach of uh, where this world is going and where our country is going. So I I hope I hope that we can continue to turn this around.
0: I hope so too. And I'm glad that there are people like yourself who do push back when you see those things instead of just turning the page, flipping it over, being disgusted, telling somebody about it, and then moving on with your life. I'm glad you took the time to write that letter and start that correspondence and connect with Kelly. Maybe the two of you can come on sometime with me and have a conversation about what your thoughts are about how to move through this. And Oh, that,
1: that would be wonderful. I'd love that yes and especially from the the male perspective because he's uh he was in school uh, about 15 years ago so he he felt the um the effects of um uh, um toxic masculinity yeah, the, the yeah. Air, much more so than i did but it's uh you know i think nowadays it's uh the uh the ratio is something like 85% female in our field. And mm-hmm. so it's, that's, that's a problem.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
1: uh, I so, so. It, there's, there's, uh, I, I think males do have something to offer <laughs> in this regard. So, uh, but yeah, that, that would be wonderful.
0: And that's uh, a, that's a whole nother discussion that I think would be yes. interesting to have as well. But, um, and, and in the meantime, I will, if, when you send me, uh, either the pdfs or a link to where you decide to host them i'll put that out too so i'll make sure that when this video goes up there's a link that people can follow if they want to read those letters and that that train of correspondence that that you discussed okay so.
1: and how 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 um, how do how do i gain access to when the video goes up i mean I'll... oh
0: i'll send you a link to it as well so oh, okay here, great yeah. yeah, so I'll go ahead and stop the recording now and we can chat for just a second. Sure. Thank you Thank very you much, again. Rick. It's been a pleasure to speak with you.
1: You're very welcome.